Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I hope you're enjoying this series, Burning Questions. I hope it's getting you to think and talk and, you know, enjoy it, but also just have a, a reason and excitement to have conversations about what you're learning in church. You know, this morning, this might be something that a lot of you don't deal with, and it's just something that you write off as nonsense, and it's not really something that's high on your list, but this is a very prevalent thought and movement in today's world, and when you interact with people, especially young people, this is in their minds. And it's something that they're wrestling with and dealing with. So hopefully this morning might give you some words, might give you some ideas or ways to conversate with them. But this morning we're going to be talking about kind of the new age movement that isn't really new because there's nothing new under the sun. And we're going to be talking about like stars and crystals and burning incense and fortune tellers and tarot cards and kind of all those things. So that's kind of this morning's thought or this morning's burning question. What do I do with all of that stuff? So before I get started, let me start off right with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come here and praise you, God. There's nothing better than you. There's no other solution than you. There's no other place for wisdom than you, God. There's no other place for protection than you, God. There's nothing better than you. Please speak through me this morning. Open hearts and ears and let all the praise and the attention and the focus go to you, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So this, before we get into, you know, stars and, and crystals and all the things, the first one we're going to talk about is bargaining with God. Because at the heart of it, that's sort of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to use things or objects or people or actions to bargain or, you know, manipulate or make God do something or borrow some of God's power to make something happen. So, bargaining with God. Anybody in here try that before? Anyone? Man, I this is a struggle for me. I gotta be honest. When I'm praying, it's just so easy to try to like slip it in there. God, it would, you know, I'll do blank. I'll make blank happen. I'll achieve blank. If you just blank, don't do that. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't make that part of your prayer ever at all. And Scripture is actually pretty clear in this. So this is found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, starting off at verse 33. It says, you have also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out your vows that you make in the Lord. But I say, and not I, this ain't Nathan, this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus says, 
Do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And do not even say, this is what most of us do, right? By my actions or by my head for you. And you kind of get this like sense of, oh, you foolish human. You know, for you, you can't even turn one hair white or black. You have no power. So who are you to say, you know, by my head or by the earth or by heaven? Just say a simple, yes, I will or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Man, do you think that when you're praying and you're trying to bargain with God and you're like, well, Lord, I'll do blank. Do you recognize that thought as a thought from the evil one? Because that's what that thought is. When you try and bargain or manipulate God's power to achieve something in your life. That thought is from the evil one. So don't do it. You're giving Satan a foothold in your life. And all of a sudden your faith is on something you're doing instead of in God. So instead, please let your prayers always be, Thank you God. Here's what I need. But let your will be done. That's the example we see over and over as Christ prays. Not what I want, God. But what you want. So don't bargain with God. Keep your prayers simple. Don't try to manipulate anything. Anything else is from the evil one. Then kind of... Sliding into today's topics. Has anyone ever been asked their zodiac sign before? It's happened to you, right? Okay, so it's happened to me too. And some of us might even know the answer and be able to respond. And then even further than just zodiac signs, some people will actually look to the stars for wisdom or for advice and try to read the stars, predict things from the stars. Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting off at verse 16. Do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form. Okay, what is an idol? Anything that takes your praise from God and goes to anything else. So if your trust or your praise, or your excitement, or your protection is in something else other than God, then that something is an idol. Whether you call it an idol, whether you recognize it as an idol, it is an idol. Period. If it is taking your attention and praise and focus and truth away from God, then it becomes an idol. So do not corrupt yourselves By making an idol in any form. 
whether of a man or a woman or an animal on the ground or a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the, sky, the ground or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the forces of heaven, do not be seduced into worshiping them. Now, some of you might be like, well, you know, I'm not really worshiping the stars when I share my zodiac sign. But you are. If you're thinking that is controlling you or other people's behavior and you assign something to it, that is a form of worship and it becomes an idol. And you are there worshiping a chart. You're there giving people excuses for their behavior based on what some human is writing somewhere. And you become seduced into treating them as an idol. The Lord your God gave the heavens, the forces of heaven, the stars, the moon, the sun to all people of earth. And remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people, his special possession, which you are today. So don't trust people who put their faith in reading the stars. And we're going to see another verse in just a second that will back that up, but the verse will also encompass all these things. So, you know, if you're thinking about zodiac signs, you might also be led down this path to fortune tellers and tarot cards and, you know, people who say that they're communicating with ghosts or spirits or dead relatives. We see again in Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting off at verse 9. When you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful, not just careful, but very careful, not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or your daughter as a burnt offering. Now, it's going to get uncomfortable here for a second, but some of you might have been like, well, that's not happening today. You're wrong. That is the leading cause of death in the world. And it's a message for another day, but when people give up their children, that's a sacrifice, and they're choosing something else. And that is detestable to the Lord. And then it continues. Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth spirits from the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you, you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Okay, God is the same God, right? He's still the same God of miracles. He still works miracles every day. He's alive and active in our lives. And guess what? Satan is still the same Satan. And his demons are still the same demons. And even though it's uncomfortable for us to use language like demons and demonic thought and possession, all of those things are demonic. And they are detestable to the Lord, and the Lord forbids you to do such things. Now, if it's demonic, then there's demonic power in it. So some people are like, well, you know, sometimes it works or it brings me X, Y, or Z. Yeah, because it's demonic. And demons would love for your praise and your attention and your focus to go anywhere except to God. It's forbidden by God. So it's not just a simple like, you know, laugh it off. It's a, hey, no, this is a a very serious matter. And if you give the devil or his minions a foothold and you you start peeking in on this door of, of trusting in stars or tarot cards or fortune tellers or crystals or incense, you are peeking in and creating a foothold for Satan and his minions to be at work in your life. Do you want Satan or his minions at work in your life? I hope no. That's why the Lord forbids you to participate in such things. Does it distract from God? Or does it bring praise to God? You know, this next one is crystals and incense, but before I, I get there, I want to talk about interpreting dreams because we see in Scripture, and you might kind of get a misconception of well, people in the Bible interpreted dreams, so it's similar to these fortune tellers and all this stuff that's going on. But but where does the praise go? So you see in Genesis chapter 41, this is the story of Joseph, one of my heroes in scriptures. I literally tell kids to pull a Joseph because when Joseph was confronted with sin, he turned and sprinted away. Is that how you're going to act when you're confronted with sin? Are you going to pull a Joseph and sprint away? What about when people need to be told where the praise is from? Are you going to pull a Joseph 
So there's a pharaoh, and he's having this dream, and he goes to all these people to interpret it, and none of them can. The pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. This would be real easy for Joseph to jump in and be like, yep, yep, I can, Mr. Pharaoh. Please release me from prison and make my life better. I can do it. No. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Each time this happens in the Bible, all the praise and the attention and the glory go to God. When you're interacting with a fortune teller or a tarot card reader or someone who says that they're speaking to one of your dead relatives, do they say that it's God and direct all the praise and the attention to God? Or does it go somewhere else? We also see the same thing in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel is a wise man and he's surrounded by the king and all their fortune tellers and magicians and all these people and the, the king says, I've had this dream, you tell me what the dream means. And all the people and the wise men and the magicians and the fortune teller are like, king, it's impossible How can I possibly interpret your dream if you won't even tell me what the dream was? And he was ready to kill all of the wise men, including Daniel, because all of them were unable to tell the king what his dream was. So there's this moment, Daniel goes before the king. He says, there are no wise men enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. All the praise and the attention and the focus go to God. And to follow up that thought, you know, where do you get your wisdom? Is it from other humans and you're seeking some other human for wisdom? Or is it from God? Because the Bible tells us to ask God for wisdom. We see that in James chapter 1 starting off at verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. You know, if your faith is in fortune tellers and readers and sorcerers and and magicians and God then you should not expect to receive any wisdom from God. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in all they do. I like to say they're wishy-washy because you're like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. You're all wishy-washy. You're caring about the things of the world and saying your faith is in God. Okay, my faith is in God, but I really like what my zodiac sign says this month. So I'm going to put a little faith in that because that's nice to hear. I really like the flip of these cards. So I need to, I I like, you know, I want to, you're in love with the world and with God. And think about what we learned a couple weeks ago, man. If you're in love with the world and worldly things, then you make yourselves an enemy of God. And then think about what I said earlier about demons and how they're the same demons and demonic thought. If you are an enemy of God, who are you helping out? Demons. Because that's the enemy of God. So don't have any part in these detestable things that the Lord forbays you in participating in. Then we have this next one, burning sage and incense and using crystals. Now, let me just say, I enjoy burning sage. I like burning an incense. I think crystals are beautiful. I've got one on a shelf. I especially love the salt rocks, you know, the Himalayan salt lamps. They're just beautiful to me. Now, do I assign any power to any of those things? No. There's no special protection that a crystal can give me. There's no special healing that a rock can perform. By burning sage or incense, another word, you know, it's, the practice is called smudging, but I don't know if that's in any of our vocabulary, but it's kind of this process of walking around with a bundle of herbs with this idea that it will protect you or your household from spiritual warfare. Now, does a plant have any ability to to stop a demon? No. So if if your faith is in one of these things healing you or protecting you, then get it out of your life and throw it away. If you can have one of these things and you can look at it and you can go, wow, wow, Praise God. Look at how beautiful that is. Can, I, can you believe that God made rocks that look like that? That is unbelievable. Praise God. If that's what the crystal does in your life, then please keep it in your life. If it's helping you praise God, that's what all of creation is supposed to do. It's supposed to point you to God. So there's nothing inherently wrong with having a crystal or burning an incense stick in your home. But the moment that you think that it's doing something, 
you're in the wrong and it's a sin and you're giving Satan and his demons a foothold in your life and it's a door that leads to all sorts of demonic activity like all the things that we were talking about. And if you're assigning any power to any of those things, then cut it out of your life. Get rid of it. But if you can have a, one of those beautiful crystals and say, wow, praise God, then, then keep that crystal. That's kind of the metric. Where does the praise go? And who protects you and sustains you? What provides all that I need? Who heals me? Who protects me? And who do I praise for that? It is all from God. So we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. People who assign power to crystals or to smudgings, that is a godless myth. Why is it a godless myth? Because there's no God that they're assigning the power to. It's simply, hey, this rock or this crystal has this effect. It is a godless myth. It's an old wife's tale and we should have nothing to do with it. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. How do I do that? How do I protect myself? How do I sustain myself? We're, we're going to get to that after a couple more verses. We see it again in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. This is what's happening when we assign power to earthly things like plants and crystals. You're trading the truth about God, which He is the creator and sustainer of everything, and you're trading it in for a lie. You're worshiping and serving the things God created instead of the Creator Himself. And the Creator Himself is the only one who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So when you look at that crystal, don't trade the truth of God for a lie. Remember the truth of God and go, wow, man, God of the universe, the creator of all things and his divine beauty made something so beautiful. And that reminds you of how amazing and how great and how worthy of praise God is. And then we talked about protection in that case of burning incense or, or smudging, right? It's an act to protect yourself. And then we ask that question, who protects you? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. So, how do I get protection from the evil one? Solely 
from God. God will strengthen me and guard me. He will protect me. A rock or an incense or a talisman or a charm will not protect you. And you might unknowingly be bringing demonic energy or activity or possession into your life. So don't do it. Don't participate in it. Get away from it. And then we see this pretty famous section of Scripture talking about the armor of God. Because we are in spiritual warfare. And God does give us means to protect ourselves. And you should protect yourselves against the spiritual warfare of the world. So I'm just going to quickly go through it and kind of get it back into our minds so that we know how to protect ourselves against all of this spiritual warfare. This is in Ephesians 6, starting off at verse 10. It says, A final word. Be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Right? Where can I get strength? Where can I get sustenance? Where can I get protection? In the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And the devil has all the strategies. You know, we're focusing a lot on what a lot of us have already written out of our lives. You might not be here this morning struggling with any of these things. But you might have an app on your phone that shouldn't exist. You might have a favorite TV show that you've got no business watching. And that is a strategy of the devil. So don't just be sitting here like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. No, 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 no. You've got idols. And you need to get rid of them. And Satan will use whatever he can as a strategy. So put on the armor of God to stand against it. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace that come from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Think about protecting your mind. Right? Without understanding and God, you you can be trapped in all this nonsense. So put salvation on as your helmet. If you're not protecting your mind with full faith 
in Jesus Christ as the only way to God, then put on salvation. Make that decision. God, I don't want these detestable things in my life. I want just you. And I understand the only way to get to you is through your son, Jesus. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. Then after all of that, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do I protect myself against all these things? With the Word of God. So get into the Word of God. Read it every day. Think back to when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And Satan twists scripture and says, make some bread out of these stones. And Jesus replies, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are you more interested in eating bread? Or are you more interested in eating every word that comes from the mouth of God? Because that's what sustains you. That's what protects you. It's the Word of God. And then after all of that, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Are you in prayer? Because that's the strategy. You know, it's not walking around with some incense or some sage, chanting something. It's not looking up at the stars. It's not consulting a a medium or a spiritist or a magician. It's praying. Man, are are you taking your spiritual warfare to God? Or are you just trying to handle it with worldly nonsense? Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. And then this is Paul, the author of this letter. And pray for me too. And I'm kind of sharing his words. Ask God to give me the right words. And do you pray for me? Do you you take me to prayer each week and say, God, please work through Nathan. Give him the right words. So he can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles, for all people. And he finishes, I am in chains, praise the Lord, I'm not in chains yet. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I should keep speaking boldly for him as I should. Well, by the way... I'm not special. Paul wasn't special. So do you pray for the other people in your life? God, please give them wisdom. Give them the right words so that when we talk with each other and we build each other up and we spur each other on, it's your words, not their words. Or do you just hope in some human wisdom? You know, one more thought about the armor of God that came up several times this week. It came up in a conversation. It came up in two different sermons that I listened to. 
kind of misses it in the English language. But when you're thinking about putting on the armor of God, this was not a solo action. As a matter of fact, you probably could not have put on that armor by yourself. You had to have somebody help you with it. So they helped strap you in. They helped hand you the heavy objects. They helped pull things over your head. Putting on the armor of God is something that we do as a church family. We help each other put on the armor of God. And we remind each other, man, you got to be wearing your armor because we're in spiritual warfare. We're surrounded by it. Maybe we should start asking that question to each other, man, do you have your armor on? Are you carrying Christ's righteousness as your shield? Do you have salvation? Are you speaking the truth? Do you have the sword, which is the word of God? Are you in it? Are you consuming it every day so that it sustains you and protects you? Think about these truths in Psalm 119. And honestly, go read all of Psalm 119 because it's beautiful and amazing and encouraging, just like all of God's Word. But you probably have both, both these verses memorized, probably in King James if you're like me, because I've got it memorized in King James. But here it is in the NLT. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And what's my protection from all of this? The word of God. He's given me all the answers. Put on his armor, be in his word. Your word is like a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Are you letting the word of God be your guide through this sinful world? Or are you letting other things, like all the other things that we've been talking about this morning, be your guide? Because if that's your guide, then you're probably on that wide road to destruction, But if the word of God is your guide and it's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, then you're on that narrow path that leads to life. So let the word of God be your only guide. Let your source of protection be God and nothing else. And let all of the praise go to God. That's today's life lesson. You know, if you're a note taker, we kind of add things on the back of the bulletin. So if you're ever trying to follow along to the message, you can get a little heads up of what scriptures we're going to be looking at this morning. And then there's a small fill in the blank for you. And then below that, we've got a scripture team that gives you verses that go along with the message to remind you throughout the week. So if you're like, man, I don't 
read my Bible and I don't know where to start and I'm really wanting to start there. You know, tomorrow morning, Monday, it says Monday right there. Read the verse. If you've got more energy, open up your Bible and read all around the verse. Read the whole page or the whole chapter. But this morning's life lesson, the big takeaway from all these thoughts, trust in God alone. Not in any of this other stuff. Trust in God alone and praise Him only. Anything that's taking your trust or your praise is an idol and you are worshiping it whether you call it worship or not. Do you want to be worshiping an idol knowing that idols are tools of Satan and it's an enemy of God? Trust in God alone. Praise Him only. Completely destroy your distractions and idols. Stephen talked earlier. Cut them off. Set them on fire. Do you have something in your life that needs to be cut off? Do you have something that needs to be set on fire so that you can trust in God alone and praise Him only? I've got one more section of Scripture to bring before us this morning, and this is found in Acts chapter 19. So so Paul is going around and serving. Paul went into the synagogue and preached boldly. For the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue. In other places, there's a little bracket that says he was kicked out. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. And then he held daily discussions in the lecture hall at Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years. Now what do we notice about this? He was there for three months, and then he continued for two years. A lot of time, God working on people's hearts and pulling them away from these sinful practices takes two years and three months of speaking truth into their life. Are you wanting someone to change now? Like, I just told you the truth this morning. Don't have anything to do with these detestable practices. Go burn it now. No. It might take two years. It might take many years. So be patient and persistent and preach the truth with love and grace. He went on for the next two years so the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, they heard the word of the Lord. And God, not Paul, Paul didn't have anything special, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when just handkerchiefs or aprons or outer clothes that had merely touched Paul's skin were placed on sick people. 
They were healed of their disease, and the evil spirits were expelled. You know, we see a lot in the New Testament people who are possessed by demons and evil spirits. We heard earlier that demons and evil spirits are the same. So this is still happening. People still have demons and evil spirits that need to be expelled. Whether they are actively possessed or they just have a demonic thought that's eating away at them, it is still there and still real. And a group of Jews, this is non-believing Jews, these are the people who would have kicked Paul out, were traveling from town to town trying to cast out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Jesus in their own incantation or their own spell, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Think back to earlier, people trying to manipulate or bargain with God. That's what's happening right here. They see this unusual power of Paul, and they're like, oh, I, I, I can use that same spell. I heard the words. I know the right words. I can just say the right words. Is saying right words get Jesus into your heart? No. They didn't believe in it. They didn't understand it. They're just trying to manipulate God and His power by using the name of Jesus. This is another version of taking the Lord's name in vain, which is detestable to the Lord. They said, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? They didn't have a relationship with God. I know Jesus, I know Paul, who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled the house naked and battered. This story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks a lot who have been hearing the word of God for over two years. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. It is healthy and good to confess your sins to other believers. Do other believers have the power to forgive your sins? Do I have some power to forgive your sins? Absolutely not. But we're commanded in Scripture to confess our sins to each other, and we see this as a practice. So they became believers, they confessed their sinful practices, and a number of them 
who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of these books was several million dollars. Another way to look at it was it was the value of 50,000 days' wages. 50,000 days of wages. They put it together in a pile and burned it. You know, I'm sitting here like, couldn't you have sold it and like donated the money? Like, I don't... No, because then somebody else would have had this thing that was detestable to the Lord. Some things that we have need to be utterly destroyed. Would you give up a prized possession that is a sinful practice if it was valuable to you? You know, I don't have my phone in my pocket because I don't want to get distracted. But what's my phone? Like 1200 bucks? Probably more than that because I got one of those fancy new iPhones. For how many of us is our phone a sinful practice? And it's not helping you be closer to God. Would you destroy it? Or is the money too important to you? What about other simple things in your life that we all spend money on? You know, do you got movies that you buy? Do you got drinks that you buy? Got drugs that you buy? In a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about tobacco and alcohol and gambling and smoking marijuana and whether or not that's a sin. And I'm not sitting here saying those things are sinful practices, but I am saying if they distract you from God then they are sinful practices. If they cause you to lose control of yourself, then they are sinful practices. What do you have that you spend money on that causes you to be distracted from God? Because if it's pulling your attention and your praise and your focus from God, you probably shouldn't be spending money on it. So are you spending money on a bunch of things that are distracting you from God and not helping build your relationship up with God? And you, are you willing to literally set them on fire? And it's millions of dollars. And I'll, I'm not, I, couldn't, I couldn't get there, you know? If you lumped all my possessions into a pile, I'm not going to get there. Are you letting your love for worldly stuff and usually money, because a lot of times it all comes back to money, be an idol? When we're called in Scripture to confess that as a sinful practice, man, God, I've been spending money on blank and it's hurting my family financially. It's distracting me from serving you. 
And it's taking my attention and praise and focus away from your, earthly, from your heavenly things. And helping me focus on earthly nonsense. God, I recognize that I shouldn't have any of that. So I'm going to get rid of it. If it's not a detestable thing, maybe sell it. And maybe use that money for something that would bring praise and glory to God. But if it's detestable, if you've got some incantation books, some, some tarot cards, some spiritual things, a Ouija board, pornography, destroy it. Set it on fire. After this happened, the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Isn't that what you want? You want to live a way that God calls you to live so that His power and His word will spread in our community. How much would things change if we deleted certain apps from our phone? How much would things change if you actually read your Bible every day? And it burdens my heart that I have to beg that of you, but I am begging that of you. If you've got some excuse of why you can't read your Bible every day, that's the thing you should set on fire. Get rid of it. Because you should be in God's Word every day. You know, as I kind of wrap up my sermon and I can invite the band up to the front, I wanted to close with offering. And I wanted to look at it in this light of burning whatever it is. You know, maybe you don't have things to burn, but you're wasting money on things that you shouldn't, and you're not faithfully supporting the Lord. If that's something you do, change your behavior. Now, you're not supposed to give reluctantly or out of force. So if you're compelled to give just from that, don't give this morning. God loves a cheerful and generous giver, not one who gives reluctantly. So give cheerfully, saying, God, all of this is yours anyways, and I just want to support your heavenly things, and I don't want to be consumed with earthly things that lead me astray from you. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be here and serve you and worship you, God. Thank you for bringing these things to light. It's not just some gentle, pretend thing that we should dismiss. It's an enemy of the Lord, and we should be willing to go against it and say, No, we don't need this. We don't want this. We don't want to be involved with this. God, we want your heavenly things. We want all the praise to go to you. We want all the protection to go to you. We want all the sustenance to come from you, God. So help us to cut off and burn away everything else. 
And help us to cheerfully support your heavenly things, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.